Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Resilient Leaders Podcast. I'm J.R. Briggs, founder of Kairos Partnerships. Most leaders are burdened by complexity and exhaustion, and our organization exists to equip leaders like you with the perspective and tools that they need to lead with health, clarity, and confidence. Well, thanks for joining me today. Last week, we looked at a book by Andy Crouch and how it has influenced my thinking of the difference between impact and influence. Well, today I want to share another great thinker, David Epstein, who wrote a fantastic and well-titled book, Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. Have you read it? If not, it's fantastic. I recommend it. In fact, even Malcolm Gladwell said it was fantastic, and he's right. The basic premise of the book is this. Most people are trying to convince you that specialization is the best way to get ahead. Most fields, sectors, and industries have specialization. And yet, Epstein found that the way people get ahead is actually not through specialization, but having a wide range of skills and experiences that they can draw from. It's filled with fascinating stories to make his point. Now, there's a section of the book where he writes about adaptive leadership. He shares counterintuitive principles that help us remain adaptive and resilient. Principles such as engage in deliberate practice, engage in less but better activities, know when it's time to quit, learn to be resourceful, use outside-in thinking to resolve issues by being an outsider and a beginner, look for the adjacent stuff and make connections, read outside your field every day, start planning experiments, and sample before specializing. But one principle that stuck out to me uh, the most was on the importance of dropping the tools that we're familiar with. Now, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about different tools that can be helpful for you in your tool belt. But he used the example of firefighters and how they are trained. Now, let me read a portion of this section to you because it's so important. David Epstein says this. He said, psychologist and organizational behavioral expert Carl Week." noticed something unusual in the depth in the deaths of smoke jumpers and hotshot wilderness firefighters they held on to their tools even when ditching equipment would have allowed them to run away from an advancing fire in montana's 1949 man gulch fire made famous in norman mclean's young men and fire book Smoke jumpers parachuted in expecting to face a 10 o'clock fire meaning that they would have contained it by 10 a.m. the next morning until the fire jumped across the gulch from one forested hill slope to the steep slope where the firefighters were. And it chased them uphill throughout dry grass at 11 feet per second. Crew foreman Wagner Dodge yelled at the men to drop their tools. Two did so immediately and sprinted over the ridge to safety. Others ran to, with their tools and were caught by the flames. One firefighter stopped fleeing and sat down exhausted, never having removed his heavy pack. 13 firefighters died. The Man Gulch tragedy led to reforms in safety training, but wildland firefighters continued to lose races with fires when they did not drop their tools. In 1994, on Colorado's Storm King Mountain, Hot shots and smoke jumpers faced a man gulch type situation when a fire jumped a canyon and erupted through a stand of gamble oak below them. The sound in the canyon was like a jet during takeoff, according to one survivor. Fourteen men and women lost the race with a wall of flame. The victim was still wearing his backpack, reads an analysis from the body recovery operation. Victim had chainsaw handle still in hand, said another. 
He was just 250 feet away from a safe zone. Survivor Quentin Rhodes had already run 900 feet uphill, then realized I still had my saw over my shoulder, he said. I irrationally started looking for a place to put it down where it wouldn't get burned. I remember thinking, I can't believe I'm putting down my saw. Two separate analyses conducted for the U.S. Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management concluded that the crew would have made it out intact had they simply dropped their tools and run from the start. In four separate fires in the 1990s, 23 elite wildland firefighters refused orders to drop their tools and perished beside them. Even when Rhodes eventually dropped his chainsaw, he felt like he was doing something unnatural. Week found similar phenomena in Navy shipmen that drowned, punched holes in life rafts, fighter pilots disabled planes refusing orders to eject, and Carl Walenda, the world-famous high-wire performer who fell 120 feet to his death when he teetered and grabbed first at his balancing pole rather than the wire beneath him. He momentarily lost the pole while falling and grabbed it again in the air. Quote, dropping one's tools is a proxy for unlearning, for adaptation, for flexibility, Week wrote. It is the very unwillingness of people to drop their tools that turns some of these dramas into tragedy. Rather than adapting to unfamiliar situations, whether airline accidents or fire tragedies, Week saw that experienced groups became rigid under pressure and, quote, regress to what they know best, close quote. They behaved like a collective hedgehog, bending an unfamiliar situation to a familiar comfort zone as if trying to will it to become something they actually had experienced before. Dropping our familiar tools sounds great in theory until we actually have to do it, which is why I was so struck by what Epstein wrote in his book. Now, this for leaders can feel excruciating and vulnerable, and it can leave us feeling naked and exposed to others because we are skilled in our tools. We know our tools. We have had, we've spent years, maybe decades learning our tools when we may have even mastered our tools. And the truth is, as leaders, tools are great until they aren't. Tools are great until the tools use us. So we must be careful to not allow our tools to master us, that we rely on them so heavily that we cannot operate without them. This is the nature. This is the heart of resilience. If we depend upon our tools so much that we can't live without them, we cannot be resilient. So we must be careful to not let those tools master us. We need the wisdom to know when our tools are helpful and when our tools are detrimental and we must abandon them. And once we've discerned when our tools are actually harming us and other people more than helping, then we need the resolute courage to drop them in order to be resilient. Leaders, know when to drop the tools that you're familiar with because sometimes what got you here won't get you there. Yep, it's scary, but it's required in order to be the kind of resilient leader that the world needs you to be. Use your tools, master them, but do not let them master you. Know when you've got to let go of them and just be fully present, even if it feels scary 
and vulnerable and naked. Well, thanks for listening today. This podcast, as always, is produced by Joel Limbowen, founder and owner of On a Limb Productions. You can check out his great video and podcast work at onalimproductions.com. You can also check out the show notes for a link for more information. Leaders, be faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. Keep leaning in and learning. And remember, when the flames are growing higher and higher, have the wisdom and the courage to know when it's time to drop your tools and learn something else, to learn something new. It's what's required in order to be a resilient leader. Have a great week.